You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, 58. But season 11, 58, episode 58, I'm just keeping that in. Uh, hi, I'm John, how you doing? Uh, we've got Josh tonight, you alright? Evening mate. You good? All good, thanks very much for asking. How are you? I'm alright, apart from fucking up the podcast uh, introduction, but never mind. <laughs> only, this, only the second time in the last three weeks. Um, so hi. Uh, Finney, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's, uh, it's it's good to be back and uh, decent results for the teams that I keep an eye on over, over the weekend, so can't really complain. It wasn't. This is you, like now official. This is you in with, the, in with the team. That's me, part of the gang. Love it. So, I could have you. Um, so, tonight we were going to originally have a football music special, but that's been canned. Unfortunately, the guests couldn't make it due to illness. But we are joined by someone that was supposed to be on last week before the Scotland fixtures all get messed up. So, Alan, how are you doing? I am doing good. Um, unlike Vinny, the teams that I follow had a crap week. So um, it's a slightly different mood, but no, good to be here. I think every time that you come on the podcast, then your team's had a crap week, to be fair. Well, that, that, that could be every week, it'd be the same story. So <laughs> Yeah, it's not really going any better for Falkirk, has it? No, no. I mean, I had a wee spell. Um, when we first had the change of manager and mother and that came in, it was uh, up to the results. looked like we could push for fourth, and now we're sort of looking down the way again. So... Let's see, so, Alan. I, I was I was really expecting Martin Rennie and Kenny Miller to go in there and do a lot better than they have done. Uh, no, I think everybody did, and I mean, when you go and sign Griffiths and get him to come down a couple of leagues, um, and especially to bring back Dowds, uh, who had a brilliant um, spell uh, at Broth, and you're thinking uh, this is it. We've got players in, um, bit of momentum, change of manage, uh, managership, and also the changes at board level. Um, we kicked on for a wee bit I think I had nine games so form was a wee bit better looked up and looked like they were doing something and uh, it's just fallen away again it's um, uh, in the programme last week um, there was a message for the board just talking about how it's looking and it's back to the, the story if we didn't get promoted this season or next we're seriously looking at part-time football at Falkirk Wow It's uh, probably so, quite impressive you managed to stay full-time for as long as you have to be fair Definitely, I think that we've got that sort of fan ownership model. We've not got a benefactor, so I mean, we've managed to do it that way. But I mean, a friend of mine sent me the photo of the first game of the season um, and then sent me the photo of the crowd at the weekend against Montrose and folk aren't even turning up. Uh, simple as that. And if you've not got folk turning up week in, week out, the little money you do have is even smaller and you start to start looking at changes. So hopefully it changes. And obviously, I, I don't know how it'll work in terms of getting them in the summer. Um, a lot of fans are calling for, for them to go now, so we'll see how it goes. Alan, I was going to ask, um, is, is, is there a moment you can pinpoint where, where it kind of all went wrong? I've, I've seen a few Falkirk fans. Uh, to be honest, as, as, as a Thistle fan, there's there's few things more delicious than logging into Twitter at five o'clock after your own team's been gubbed and just seeing the, the, the chaos um, following Falkirk. Um, I've seen a few people comment and saying it was... They, they, they put it down to the, the academy being wiped away and things like that. Because you've had 
like from from the outside, you've had maybe not outstanding managers, but you've had guys who have done jobs at similar levels, and they've they've never really been able to push the team on. And again, a wee bit like the guys were saying when Rennie came in, I thought, oh, do you know that's that's a bit left field, but I can see how it works. And it's it's just not happened. Is is there anything you can pinpoint that's that's, that's gone wrong? I mean, I think the general feeling is that um, the decisions made at board level, and that, like you said, that the, the, the scrapping of the academy to sort of prioritise promotion was a complete failure. Um, and that the general sour feeling, especially when I don't know how it looks for other other clubs in Scotland, but we had quite a successful academy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, even you look at players just now, if you talk about Arfield and the likes, but I mean, lots of the leagues, and Jay Fulton's a regular um, for Swansea. Um, you've obviously, you've got your Kingsley and the likes. I mean, there's even sort of uh, players who've played for us at that level. Um, Bobby Biabi and is it Nathan Austin? It's Kelly Hart's firing the goals in. I mean, they've, they've all played for Falkirk. Um, there's, loads, there's loads of um, players in the Scottish lower leagues, you know, Championship, League One, yeah. that you can pinpoint the kind of beginnings of their career came from the Falkirk Academy. Um, so it, it was a real it was a real shame. Not just not just for the club itself, but for the area. Um yeah. you know the, the area there uh, around Falkirk that they scrapped the academy because I know that they've done a lot of kind of good work um for the community and, and kind of boys football in the community. Ah you know absolutely and I think it's it's interesting um, I, I don't know how uh, I don't know how the relationship with the academy worked with um the performance schools program in terms of obviously being we've got one in Graham High, um, which is really close proximity. So I don't know whether there was ties with that. Um, but uh, I know that's I'd say probably the, the, the academy one was probably the main bit. Uh, it is a shame, but is there like I, I, I happen to work in the Falkirk area, um, and I'm aware that there's. Well, I don't know if it's changed because I've only, I've only been working there the past year or so and whether this is a, a recent change but there seems to be a wee bit more community involvement happening now there's there, there, like I've, I've seen adverts to encourage kids along and things like that is has that changed recently or are we still just not progressing in terms of the youth structure there? Um, so it's starting to um, they've, they've brought back up the academy again so they've yeah. invested in the vibe they're, they're currently I believe the, um, I forget his name. The previous um, director left, and they're sort of going through a, a sort of discussion now what they're where they're going to go with it. But there is an academy there, and we did sign a few players. Um, and actually, one of the the first signings, a young guy called Ben Weeks, um, we played him in the the round robin stage of the cup in sort of July time, and he scored in his debut, um, like a couple hours after signing. So it was actually a really positive story. Um, great for the young guy. He's now wasn't he getting game time, uh, and he's now in loan at Pennycook, I think. Um, so I mean. Uh, it's uh, it is there obviously it's very early days again it's starting up an academy for scratch it's, it's going to take time but I think we talked about the area um, we've got um, there was, there's there's a couple of clubs sort of changing their structure around us and I felt like we were well ahead of them whereas now we're sort of trying to play catch up um, there's the what's it, Dunfermline um, Sports Academy there that sort of that's closed down there's now talk about trying to get a performance school set up in Fife because it's another area that's sort of left in the dark a little bit um, but um, in terms of the initiatives to get people c- to come to the games, they are giving tickets away. Um, I mean, when you've only got two and a half thousand turn up to a, whatever six, six thousand, seven thousand capacity stadium, you have to do something to fill it. Um, but uh, but at the moment, uh, 
there's a very that's, the feeling is very dark around the club again. Um, so I'm hoping, hoping that changes. We need results to, to change for that to, that to kick on. But it's it's the chicken it's the chicken and egg thing, Alan, isn't it? If if you build it, they will come. You know, and if a full cup get you know, if Falkirk get playing again, you're talking about the low attendance, the fans will come back because the fans are there. They're a huge club. Mm-hmm. Um they're they're a bit of a sleeping giant almost um sitting, you know, down there in the lower leagues. Probably similar I mean you could probably argue Falkirk similar size to Partick Thistle who are doing um you're doing very well at the moment. No. Well, well <laughs> relatively speaking. To where they were to where they were a couple of seasons ago. This is it. This is it. And we we've got a few um issues with, with our stadium, our pitch and everything like that at the moment. Alan, do you think moving away from Brockville was a root cause to anything? Or has actually the move to us you know, the new stadium out of town never has has that been positive in, in any way it, you know it's, it's a fantastic looking structure I've been there for a few games and things it's it's alright it's obviously missing one side at the moment um, but in, in terms of the club itself do you think moving away from Brockville was a mistake in hindsight? Difficult to say because you talk about how Falkirk is a community club um, mm. and as a community club uh, you need to generate funds and so one of the ways that the Falkirk Stadium does that is having the sort of all-weather all pitch and having uh, the size of the stadium it's got. I mean, the, the, the local community, the local council, um, their whole sort of leisure department is based at the stadium. That's right, so yeah. obviously that'll be that'll be rented out. They'll make a fee from that. Yeah, but it has hospitality packages there. Um, and uh, the new um, commercial director, Jamie Swinney, he was he done a lot of good work with Stennis Muir. That's He's right. now sort of working behind the scenes to... Like just as a simple thing, this season they've got the South Stand Bar, which opens up maybe twelve o'clock um, behind the South Stand, and they show the, the Premier League games right up to kickoff, and they actually open again at half time. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of folk calling for them to stay open for the whole game, there, so you didn't actually have to see it on the pitch; you could just sit there. Um, but he, but he comes in, he's present, he's there listening to supporters, and so he's actually probably one of the one of the faces this season who's benefited, um, or sorry, not benefited, but he's he's grown on fans a bit. So there is. Um, in terms of the new stadium, they've got a, they've now got a facility where they can generate funds without with football, um, and I think that's, that's a definite crazy. benefit. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, and also, I mean, for, for us, we, we talk about why we've not got the four stand. Obviously, it's about the fact that when they fill it, um, but uh, we have all these sort of rumours going around about oh, it's maybe in the blast radius for the BP at Grangemouth, or it's like uh, there's all these other rumours going around. Um, so it's a great state that we story as well. It's a bit unique, I guess. Um, but uh, in terms of, I was probably a bit young for it when, it, when it changed over to really see a big difference. I mean, uh, moving a new stadium is going to take time. The Falkirk Stadium is now our stadium. We've obviously got Queen's Park mm-hmm. playing the stadium as well. Um, I actually played host to the, um, the under-17s uh, Euros games. Um, so obviously that? Ben Doak got his hat-trick at the Falkirk Stadium, which is uh, just a shame it wasn't for us. Um, <laughs> but aye, so I mean, there's, it's, it's definitely a stadium that if it's getting... If international fixtures are getting played at it, then it's obviously um, one equality. It's just a shame that it's, the team can sort of take on that. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, that soon, soon as those things are getting there, it's like Aye. you say. There's, there's been a lot of maybe poor decisions at boardroom level and whatnot, but. I, th- I think getting your man from Stenhouse Muir in, um, when I saw that move, I thought that was a really good move because, as, yeah. as you know, sort of from that area, Stenhouse Muir have done a lot 
of great things in the community, a lot of good fan engagement. Um, so it, I, I, I thought that was a good move, certainly on the surface. So it's good to hear there's, there's some results from that. And then getting the, the, the Youth Academy back up and running. Like you said, it's slow progress, but um, it will be good in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Still funny. Still funny looking at the results, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. No, you're all right, Vinny. Playoffs definitely out of the question, Jink. I know it's what seven points behind with what five games to play. If if we if we make the playoffs, um, no, we're not going to make the playoffs. No, <laughs> I mean if we we need we need some run, and it, it, you didn't see it. I mean, look at the weekend, three 0 at home. I mean, Troy's. I mean, Troy's. I mean, they've done, they've done us over a few times, but I mean. It's the performances on the there. Um, I, this season, it actually felt like it was. It started with optimism, um, which was maybe a bit naive, but uh, it sort of turned for me when it, when it hit. Sort of Morrison got injured uh, at the back end of last year, and it's not really carried on since. But I mean, I I think playoffs is a, is a massive stretch. If uh, if we can keep ourselves well clear of the relegation battle. Um, uh, it's soon as it's sad to say, but that's a, that's the best we can hope for, I think, for the rest of the season. Yeah, closer to the top than the relegation playoff, to be fair. Six points or something. Uh, aye, but, uh, so it's, uh, it doesn't take a lot, and especially when you're, when you're losing games, uh, it's hard to get points on the table again after that. So um, I fingers crossed we can, we can get the results we need to, to keep it clear, but it's, uh, aye, it's, uh, it's difficult because you want to give managers time and coming in halfway through a season or you, you just think when you're bringing in players of that quality that they can kick on. I mean, all of us kind of hoped Griffiths was going to score 10, 15 goals before the end of the season. Um, and I mean, he's playing now, he's starting them, but even when he came in, he obviously wasn't fit enough to even start games in any team in League One. And you're really asking questions like, how 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 far has Griffiths fell? Um, so, aye, aye. Aye, no, that's a, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. I was in a pocket for the other now, but that's uh, aye. I think that's the season pretty much done for us. Shouldn't stand corrected. That's four games left, so aye, there's very little chance. Uh, Vinny, you were saying you were at Thistle game on Saturday. Mm. How was it? it well, we didn't get beat and we didn't ship a load of goals, so it was good to get a clean sheet um, finally. Um, uh, it, it, it was interesting. Again, we're, we're suffering a lot, not so much from injuries, but uh, ill health throughout the squad. So we did have Brian Graham back on Saturday, so that definitely made a difference. It's, you know, even when he's not scoring, he's a leader on the pitch and he drives people forward. He's very, very vocal. Um, so it was, it was good to have him back. Uh, we had a wee bit of a change. Well, a lot of people were guessing when we saw the team lines, uh, it seemed as though there were three centre-backs listed, um, but uh, McCall stuck with his usual formation with the four at the back, and Lewis Mayo, who's on loan from Rangers, uh, played as defensive mid and did really, really well. Um, so that was encouraging because obviously we, we've not had a... We've, we've really had terrible run of results against our growth. Uh, we haven't beaten them for 20 years. Now, granted, we've not always been in the same league, but I think that's seven games we've played our growth and, and not beaten them. Um, so they, they've just always found a way around us. So actually having Lewis Mayo in that role, it helped just to 
cut out a lot of the aerial balls through him and stopped their sort of main strength, you know, uh, through the middle, uh, running onto us. He was great. He did really well, and you could see the other players around him just gaining a wee bit of confidence. Uh, you know, at the back, uh, Tunji Akinola, who I think is a fantastic defender, probably one of the best defenders in the league, has been really short of confidence recently. You can see he grew more and more into the game. Uh, Kieran McKenna, who again is not a terrible footballer, he's you know good player and um, has been around a wee bit despite his young age. Um, he's been playing right back for us and again, just totally short of confidence. He's not been getting a break at all from the fans, but you could see again, Saturday, the longer the game went on and we hadn't conceded, his confidence went up. He had a really, really good second half. So it was good. We we, we stopped the rot, which is really important. And hopefully uh, we can just put a, uh, a run of draws or, or victories together just to keep us in that fourth place. Um, but, you know, I've, I've spoken about it before to various people just saying I'm not convinced that going up this season would be the best thing for us. But, you know, having said that, if we get into the playoffs, it just keeps things interesting uh, for another couple of weeks. And, um, you know, at least we're not Falkirk. So. We're not Falkirk. Um, but you now have, what, Wraith obviously won the Challenge Cup yesterday, so maybe they'll get a real lift in terms of that last playoff spot. So it'll be all to play for anyway. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I think we're just fortunate that Wraith's form have has, has been as bad as ours, really, um, for for quite a period. Um, you know, but we we went from literally three four weeks ago thinking we were still in we're shooting the title to clinging on to fourth spot, and you know the the form table's just grim. Out the last six matches, we've picked up four points. <laughs> so, yeah testament to the, the wee run that we, we did have at some point, that's kept us up there, uh, but I'm just looking at the league table now, so Wraith have obviously got the game in hand because they had the cup final and they're uh, three points behind us but our uh, our goal difference is worth, worth a point, at least at the moment we've we're got seven uh, over Wraith, so yeah if we play Wraith on the 16th, so Massive game, absolutely massive game for that. If we've got any aspirations of, of making the playoffs, but it should be a good game. How did you feel like um, the side handled the loss of Rudden? Uh, very badly, in hindsight. Uh, you can see our, our, our form since Rudden left is just nosedive. Because uh, you were phenomenal in the back end of last year. Um, mm-hmm. sort of October, November, I'm not even sure if you got your beat. Maybe, it, yeah. it, it did kind of coincide with, I think we'd, up until Rudden left, we'd only lost one game since October. Mm. We'd, so even when we weren't winning games, we weren't losing. Um, so when Rudden, Brian Graham and Scott Tiffany were all in form, it was just, you, you, you couldn't stop us and our defence was looking solid. Um, Rudden's departure sort of coincided with Tiffany picking up an injury. And then Brian Graham had COVID, so it's just it's it's just not come together at all. Uh, we got Alec Kubiak on in, in return from Dundee, and uh, at the last time I was on 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 the podcast, I spoke about how he's got a lot of attributes that I've, I really like. He holds the ball up well. Um, he's got a really good burst of pace, but he's injured, <laughs> so it's 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 been hard going. And um, I'm afraid, Josh, your, your boy, uh, Allegri, has just 
uh, still not really looking the part at the moment. He's not filled anybody's boots. Um, but the the way the the Rudden thing was was handled was interesting. Like, but I think we're we're basically given him to Dundee on loan, uh, so that we don't need to pay Rangers a development fee. <laughs> Um, so when he signs for Dundee permanently for free in 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 the summer, uh, there's there's no issues with that at all, and uh, we'll, we'll just see who we get to to fill his slot. Whether Shakubiak stays on or whether we we sign somebody else. There's chat of his uh, signing. Um, I think it's Liam Lovering, Paul Lovering's son, um, who's a uh, Ben Burb just now. So he's been in on trial. He scored in the Glasgow Cup last week. Um, I'm not conv- I'm not sure, maybe you guys know better, if he's an out-and-out striker, or maybe he's a, more of a 10 or a winger, I'm not sure. But um, it's nice to see us dipping back into that market, because obviously of of the most recent era, we've had Chris Dool and Chris Erskine come from the juniors, who are now club legends. So it's good that we're looking at that kind of option again. Um you know, we, we spoke about it at length last time I was on about how there's just there's no glass ceiling for teams at junior level anymore. These players see a a, a good pathway into the into the senior and full time game now. So um, yeah, Rudden's been a mess, but um, if we can cling on to these playoff spots, then 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 who knows? But I'm, I'm I, I won't be gutted if we don't go up um, because I think uh, again we spoke about it before next year's championship looks more well a, a wee bit more settled you've not got Kilmarnock you'll have a Dundee in free fall um, see if St Johnston up here or not um, so it'll be interesting Josh did you say you'd seen Bob and play for Ben Bob last season I missed the Ben Bob Talbot game early in the season say that again uh, Lovren that's on trial at Bissell no 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 I, 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 it's not no it's no one that I remember it's, it's no one that I actually remember I'd say um, he's uh, he's he's been around a few clubs. I had a wee look, and I know that he's he's been looked at by a few championship clubs. But um, it just it's one of these things makes you feel really old when you remember his dad playing. You know, it's when you remember full careers of players. That's when it's really worrying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, would you agree the general standard of the championship this season? Because obviously, I seen the game on Friday. Kilmarnock Morton now. If you did not know what positions were in the table, you would have thought Martin were the top of the league and Kilmarnock were the ones that were mid-table. Um, it's, such, it's, it's such a difficult, it's such a difficult league to get out of. You, you don't, you really don't, I know it's relegation, but you think to yourself when teams are go down, you know, when Dundee go down and if St. Johnson go down with them, you think to yourself, God, they've got a job to get out of that. The teams are just so competitive. You look at, you know, the job that Dick Campbell's doing at our growth. Everybody's talking about him for, you know, manager of the season and rightfully so, I think. Um, but when you think, you know, a part-time team made up made up of guys that are, you know, a lot of them are in their 30s, you know, working other day jobs. Um, it's just absolutely spectacular what he's managed to achieve there. Um, so it's, it's just such a... Such a I think Josh has gone silent there. Technical problems, I think. Sounds <laughs> like it. You back? You back, Josh? Sorry, I'm having a wee bit of uh, connection issues there. 
they were right. Um, you, you were just praising Dick Campbell there, but um, yeah, <laughs> I think in terms of quality in the league, it was really interesting um, about January time because there was just this really clear split. There was the promotion chase really between four teams and then there was a wee bit of a gap and then there was a relegation battle and uh, it sort of spread out a wee bit more and, you know, even Hamilton will be thinking, you know, could they make a wee late push um, for the for the, for the playoff slots? Um, but I think what Kilmarnock have done and what Tommy Wright didn't do was um, just find that formula, which was signing, you know, for the championship, uh, you know, a, a blue chip player and getting Kyle Lafferty. If you've got a standout player like that in the league, you know, We've got Scott Tiffany at Thistle, who's you know can can win a game on his own on uh, on his day. If if you've got Lafferty, I mean, you just see his his goal return, his contribution return since signing for them, it's really pushed them on significantly. Um, other than that, there's a couple of standout players in the league, but as you said, Josh, it's just it's so competitive, um, and so many of the games are tight. There's a huge amount of draws in the league. Um, you know, throughout the whole season, um, and everyone can beat each other. Like you said on Friday night, it was hard to tell who was top of the league and and, and who wasn't. Um, and even looking at Dunfermline <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, you know they're dead and buried, and then they get a couple of draws and that bizarre result against us. Um, and it might might just be enough to to keep them up because. Queen of the South, who have reached a cup final, but have been terrible all season. It's just such a weird league. And then Comarca have got what? Abroath, Inverness, and is it Wraith left to play? So the last four games, I think. Yeah, they've they've got Dunfermline, yep, and then Inverness, Abroath, and then Wraith. So they play, you know, three three of the three of the top uh, four. in the weeks coming up, so or three of the top five, sorry, in the weeks coming up in the running, so you, you never know. But I think it's it's Kamarnik's league to lose now, in my opinion. But um, it'll make it interesting for other people if they go on a run, an unbeaten run, then it makes it really interesting for these playoff slots. Aye, be interesting to see as well if Kamarnik are to get promoted, how much they'll need to strengthen because based on Friday night, oh, uh, hugely, they would hugely. need about eight players for their starting lineup probably. You know, like I said, they've, they've found a formula to be difficult to beat and to squeeze out results, but that's that's not going to do you in the in the Premiership, I'm afraid. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, McInnes gets on in the summer. Aye, I think Real McInnes will be helped if he gets their promotion. It might suit him being like at Kilmarnock, being the underdog and there's not much expected of him. Because at least that way, if you're sitting in the Premiership, you'll probably get results. That's what he's good at doing. Um, but Martin Dougie, Dougie Emery deserves a lot of praise. What's that? Two losses in fourteen. I would say you were talking about manager of the year, uh, or Josh was. Um, but I think Dougie Emery for me, much as no, I'll be I'll be very diplomatic. Uh, Dougie Emery is a very divisive figure in uh, lower league Scottish football. Um, but you've, it, the the run he's been on since he came in is just <laughs> incredible. Um, so yeah, fair, fair play to him, and that takes a lot for me to say. Pretty positive football though as well. Three up front. It is. Yeah. Uh huh. It's um, yeah. Can we stop 
praising Dougie Emery. Aye, we can slide a lot if you want. We just have to go back to looking at them. When you did the Lord League preview a good, maybe a couple of months ago, and we looked at Morton, and everybody said Morton were dead and buried. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it, gone. Change your manager, and you look at them now. But then even, even Hamilton looked struggling. and you've got the two of those sides on form looking to breach the top six and, and stay up there and potentially, probably a bit of the question now, but trying to get a late promo- promotion pu- uh, or playoff push. So it just shows you, like... Ugh, that's the thing. The leagues look settled. We thought, right, we've got five teams there battling it out, and it's it's open again, um, which is it's exciting. It's why we love the game, eh? I I think when we did that podcast, there was a concern that Hamilton might suffer back to back relegations. But they've been they've been all right. Should we move on to the Premiership? We've not really got much to say about League Two because none of us really watched League Two. So we're not really going to be able to give much insight there. Plus, Kelty are promoted and Kelton Beath look. Did anybody mid- see the um, the little the interview with Kelty's chairman? Uh, at least is it during the week, maybe? Missed it. I forget. I forget his name, but it was just a really good story about him. I think it, um, he was just talking about his passion for the club, and it just kind of gave this impression of. Uh, how he, he, he made a comment at the end of it. He said that every single club in Scotland's got a, got a character that's behind the scenes, running the ship, and. It just gave a really, really good feel-good factor about Kelty. I forget his name, which is bad, but um, if you can if you can find it, um, watch it. It's only a few minutes, but it just gives you a really good insight. And the good thing about Kelty is they're a team that the pyramid is suited for because they are ambitious. They're going up. It really surprised me again if they strengthen massively in the summer and do what Cove looked like they might do. Actually, I meant to ask earlier, Cove or Airdrie, who drink a lot? Automatically. Cove. Yeah, I hope Cove go up. Um, because it's just Airdrie, just you know, Airdrie are just one of those clubs that you just everybody just hates. But they do have a nice trip. They do have a nice trip. No, it's it's different. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> eh, you know, um. So yeah, for, I mean for that reason, I, I I like Paul Hartley. Um. I think he's um he's he's a good manager. He's committed to Cove, um and and it would be good. It would be good to see another northeast you know team there to challenge Aberdeen. I know. I mean, I know they don't. We might see. We might see two in the championship. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> well, you never know. Why exactly? <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? I, who knows? If you keep going the way he's up, by the way, he's good. Ah, exactly. But no, I mean, it, it it would be really good to, to see another kind of northeast team, you know, higher up in the league. It's it's. I mean, Aberdeen have been just been the dominant force, um, in northeast of Scotland in football for so so long. Um, it'd be good to see Cove go up. I think I'm just uh, I'm by Airdrie. No, I think I agree with you with Cove there. But Cove seems to be another project like the Kelty project. I'm not sure who's got more backing, but there was um, an, an interview I listened to. Him. Pre-season, I think it was, and um, the bit of money behind Cove, and obviously having that draw, of just having a club, they're not competing with Aberdeen, but they're stronger than Peterhead, and so they've got a sort of middle ground club that are either going to be at the top end of the Championship or potentially, I think their ambitions are going to be in the Premier League in the next couple of years. Um, so there's actually, when you look at that, you, obviously Queen's Park are struggling a bit. Yeah, that was their ambition to get promoted this season. They've sort of faltered. Um, uh, they'll get they'll get a playoff spot, so there's always that chance. But um, you've got the Cove, Queens Park, and Kelty, who look like clubs with ambition. And just seeing them, I 
and each of their stories going through the lower leagues and competing with the established names is, is going to be one to sort of get everybody excited for the next few years. And the thing with COVID is they probably will benefit from the fact that like the Northeast doesn't have many professional teams. So see if the likes yeah. of Aberdeen are releasing young players or if the likes of Ross County, Inverness, whether it's actually young players or seniors, because senior pros, we've seen the likes of Shea Logan going for Aberdeen, Draper and who's that one? Roman from Ross County. I can't even just now. But that's what they'll pick you, up. Cove will pick well, you just have up. to look at the players this thing. I mean, you look at um, Rory McAllister, um, Peter Head, legend. Like, uh, I didn't think he was ever going to leave Peter Head. Um, it, probably the only club he would have left Peter Head for was Aberdeen. And they never mm-hmm. came, as far as I'm aware, they never came calling. So um, you've got, he's top scoring in the league. Um, still banging them in. And then Meganson as well. So uh, you've got these players who are in the northeast, based up there, who want to play professional football or uh, full-time football and they're getting that opportunity with an ambitious club so it's uh, they're doing the right things they're making the right noises and if they, if they keep going the way they're going they should win this league and uh, we should see them in the championship next season well I'll only but Partick <laughs> <Patrick> might <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, uh, Ian Vigers was the other one I think you were aye, thinking aye Vigers aye um, and folk at, the, at first when they signed them they were thinking oh they're probably past it not going to do much but if they're all right, it seems to be good experience anyway in the dressing room, regardless of maybe how they perform in the pitch. 100%. Aye. Do you want to talk about Sunday, Josh? Sure, go ahead, mate. What do you, what, what do you want to know? Right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of yesterday? Um, wasn't really all that surprised to be honest um, it's quietly confident quietly confident going into the game um, but you know after the game in February where they ran over the top of us I just you know I, the, the signs have been there for a good a good long while that they were not the best team in the country anymore um, I don't think there, there, are, there are a lot of there's a few issues that we should I should probably separate them out. Um, I think for too long now, for several seasons, not just this season, we've been relying on one striker. We haven't had more than one um, significant, you know, first team can put them in. We'll do your job, striker. I mean, Jermaine Defoe is probably the only thing that came close to what Morellas could give you. Um, but they're completely they were completely different styles of players. So I think we've relied on Morelos for far, far too long. So that takes me on to recruitment. Recruitment has been poor this season. Um, doesn't look like Ramsey has worked out. Although you know, I've, I was, what you know, I was cheering the most. Cheering, the, I was one of the biggest people cheering yesterday when he scored. I thought, right, well, this is going to be the arrival of Aaron Ramsey um, yesterday. I don't think he was too bad throughout the whole game, but. You know, he came in to play games and he didn't play for, you know, four or five games. He came on against Aloha and then he, um, you know, didn't play a whole lot, a few sub appearances and then he was out and then he was in. So he's not really played that much football. If he was going to come in in January, he should have come in and played. You, you know, we needed to have a player of that calibre to come in and play every single game. Um, and he has, it just hasn't done that. So I don't think the Ramsey one's worked out. Um, I don't think a lot of the players uh, that have come in... I, the jury's out on Sakala for me. I like him. Um, but I think he's got a, a, a ways to go. 
Um, Sands, another one. I think he looks he looks promising, but he's not exactly you know looking at the bench yesterday. You're not exactly seeing a lot that can inspire you that would be able to come on and change the game. We brought on Scott Arfield, who has been a great servant for Rangers, um, but um, I, I I think he's maybe coming towards the twilight um, period of his Rangers career. Um, so. Yeah, for that reason, I, I wasn't overly surprised yesterday. Um, I just think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gio. I think I think that we should give him time. Gerard got time. Um, and I think Gio should get time too. He hasn't had a proper transfer window yet. So he will get back in, I hope. But there have been, there have been decisions made at the club that have resulted, there has been an attitude of laissez-faire this season. I, th- I think because we didn't lose anyone particularly big, um, I think the club thought that we had a you know championship one and invincible team could just go into the next season and kick on. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, so you know, for that, that reason... Can I ask you something, right? Because mm-hmm. Conor Goldson was slated for saying that the Rangers players had lost their hunger. <laughs> yeah, um... From a, from a, maybe shouldn't have said it in public. See, from a mutual point of view, I think what he said looked to be correct because that Rangers team have not been the same. I know Europe set aside Europe just now, and they're not that far off Celtic, but they should have been. I think Rangers should have won this league this year easily. They should have built yeah. on what happened last season. Recruitment. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, I think. The, the, I mean, you know, people are people are pointing out this the start of the, the twelve point gap that existed. In December, and how it's now effectively seven points um, in Celtic's favour now. So um, for for me, I think, and I did I did say this earlier on in the season. I think that there's an element of we won the league, and a few of the players thought, right, well, that's us reached the top of the mountain. You know, we've won the league. Um, Europe is a different beast altogether. I think a lot of players at the club. Um, particularly one winger that I know you love, John. Uh, you think he's probably the best winger in the league, don't you? I, I just think, like and, and other people do agree. To be fair, that he is, he doesn't produce enough for his ability. Yeah, yeah. Go, like, I mean, pure, pure in numerical terms, but I mean in Europe, he's absolutely sensational. And for that, but but the reason I think that is is because I think he sees. I think certain players at the club see Europe as a bit of a short window. I, do. I was just going to say that, Josh. Yeah. I, I, it's I worth think he's in Europe as well. He's not. I, I think they do. I, th- I think they, they they turn on. You know, Ryan Kent comes absolutely comes alive. I mean, you've seen that in the Dortmund game. Um, you know about how, how he just absolutely terrorised. You know, multi million pound defenders. You know, squads made up of over a hundred million pounds and all this. But yet, you ask him to go away to, um, you know, Motherwell or Dundee United or, or even at home to Motherwell. And, you know, he's not producing those same kinds of performances. I don't know um, is, is, is the question. I, I think Gio's got a bit of a rebuilding job on his hands in the summer. I hope he gets the backing of the club um, you know, financially just, particularly. Are you worried about, in terms of, you've, even this year alone, you've got well, Goldson, Arfield, Davis, um and McGregor obviously sort of decide what he's doing, and then you lose Diallo uh, and Ramsey, etc. That's just this year. Then the amount of players that are on a one-year deal. Do you know what? I completely forgot Diallo existed. I, I, <laughs> I, I was excited. I was, I was really enjoying the league. 
They look good. Uh, I honestly, honestly oh. forgot he existed. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, I mean, there's another one. There's another one. It's just not worked out at all. Um, I think right. the game's. I think it's probably. I mean, obviously he's got talent. The boy, Manchester United. Oh, you know, everybody but, scores in a three-three draw at Ross County. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I thought I don't know if he's maybe just if, if it's too much if it's too much for him up here in terms of the physicality, the speed of the game, the pace of the game. Um, you don't get time in the ball in the Scottish Premiership. So, think he was, yeah, he's I, I don't given enough of a chance. So, obviously he was hooked at half time, even the last old firm game. But aside right, from that, I think he's played twelve minutes. Like, yeah, the old firm is a struggle for a lot of players. Maybe yeah, give him a chance to get the opposition, build them up. John, uh, what I would what I would say in response to that is that there's people who see him day in day out at training, so there's a reason he's not playing games. But go, t- talking about the training and whatnot, Josh, I was going to ask you. I've asked a few Rangers fans this question: Is Michael Beale a better, a, a bigger loss than Gerard? Yeah. Oh, well. It's look. It's it's hard to say, right? Because I'm a bit, I'm a big Dave Voss fan, um, who is you know who I mean for, for listeners who might not be aware, Dave Voss is essentially the the, the you know is the Michael Beale to um, is, is Stephen Gerrard's Michael Beale to whatever they whatever they're saying is <laughs> to, to Gio. You we know, know what you mean. I mean. Dave Voss is is the, is the tactician. So I'm a big fan of Dave Voss, um, but is Michael Beale a bigger loss than Stephen Gerrard? I think so. Um, I, I, I think so. Michael Beale is an absolute genius. He, he is a he's a footballing genius. You're, you're seeing it again at um, Aston Villa. What Gerrard's achieving at Aston Villa, I, I just, I, I, it's a, it's a Michael Beale team. He's he is an absolute um, coaching genius. So, so he has been a huge loss, I think. But at the same time, this is still the same players that played under Steven Gerrard for years. Um, I well, think. I was- I was just building on from that then. So do you think with, with Dave Voss, obviously his influence, is that and, and Van Bronckhorst's Van Bronckhorst style of play and everything like that, is, do, do you think that's then a reflection on their good European performances, that they've got a very particular style that they're familiar to facing in terms of continental football, whereas that's maybe not coming through in the domestic game? Is that? Do you think that's too simple? No, I think that's probably a fair point um, because you've seen it in, in some of the people. I hate the, the phrase "low block," but it has. <laughs> we have we have found it difficult um, in in games where teams will sit in. Whereas, but but Gerard had this problem as well. Um, apart from the season uh, that we went out and we ran out un, unbeaten, you know, invincible uh, title winners. You know, seasons before that, Gerard had that same problem. You know, playing against a low block is is very difficult. So that, that and that's why I'm saying I think Gio needs time. He needs time. He needs a window, a proper window to bring in some players. I, when he came in, I was thinking that you know we were going to see another Dutch revolution. At I brought you know we were going to see hundreds of players flood in from the the Dutch leagues, and you know we were going to play total football. Hasn't was there was a lot of orange in the crowd when he joined? Well, well, you know. <laughs> That's not that's that's neither here for me here or there for me to say, but um, aye. So I, I think get, giving him up a, a full window, we'll see how he goes. I mean, the title's done now, as far as I'm concerned. The, uh, the title, I, I think, the title was done. If we drew, we needed to win that game. Um, 
because I don't see even a draw. We're not. We were never going to go to Celtic Park and win. I don't think. I just think that they're. I think, and I'm just say right. You're gonna. You're gonna laugh here when I say this. I think they are. I think they're an average team. I really, really do. I think. I, they, I think. I think they're a team in transition. Uh, so exactly what John was saying. There was there was a really good chance for you guys to to push on and get that second league win this year, and it's just not come about. I think it's an interesting team. I think there's potential for them, but they are definitely in trans- transition. So I think you're right, Josh. I think this year that they were there for the taking. I think Celtic. Yeah, they were. They they absolutely were. To be fair, it didn't. I don't. I mean, the the proof is in the pudding, right? That we were twelve points ahead of Celtic, and then Gerard left. So you know. What might have materialised if Gerard and Michael Beale had stayed? You know, kept... it's not just twelve, was it? I th- I th- I'm pretty sure it was twelve. I'm, sh- I'm almost sh- certain it was. 12. I don't think it was as much as that. I know certainly there was talk in December. Rangers were six points ahead. I'm trying to think when Gerard was still there, what the points gap. I don't think it was as much as twelve. Well, I, well, I got the feeling that, that Gerard win rate um, in 2022 in the league, which yeah, is atrocious. But see what Alan said though about players out of contract this summer. You then got the following summer, Aribo, Ken, Morelos. So you would think at least one of them surely going to summer. Yeah, I, I think the non-qualification for the Champions League has sealed it. I mean, well, mind you, we could still qualify for the, for the Champions League through winning the Europa League. Um, but <laughs> I think that's going to be a tall lie, particularly with no Morelos now. Um, so, yeah. How long think- is Morelos out for? Unknown, I, I, unknown. I I don't know. I, I just know he's out. He's not going to be there for Braga next week. He's going to be a huge miss. And we've seen it yesterday. Kimar Roof is no substitute. Um, he's no substitute for Morelos. So that's just it's just such a huge blow. Um, no. So yeah, um, I think in the summer one of them is probably going to go. Um, just based on the fact that Celtic are going to get the. 20 or 40 million or whatever it is for winning, the, for winning the league and getting into the Champions League automatically I think Rangers can't really afford not to sell one of the big assets this summer I think I hope they're going to get the right money for whoever it is um, and I hope they bring in quality um, yeah quality for Gio to challenge for the league next season particularly um get through the qualification stages to try and get in the Champions League ourselves next season as well as Celtic. The problem you'll have though is the fact that only a year left in a deal you'll not get the market value for the player because they know they can sit tight till January. True. I mean, I think you have to look, you have to look at the, the way Celtic managed the IR situation. So, I mean, there is there is precedent there for big money to come in for one year, one year left in the deal. And the, the, these kind of clubs in England... You know, the, I mean, the, the kind of market that we're going to be selling to, let, let's be honest, it, it is, probably is the Premier League in England. Um, and, you know, I mean, you were saying, Alan, you were saying about Ayer, there was it 12.5 million he went something for? Like that, something yeah. like that, Aye. I mean, that's, you know, that is literally doing the back of the couch change for the, the, the bone mouths and the fulhams of this world, you know. Um, so I don't think, I, I certainly don't think we'll struggle to get. 12, 15 million for Morelos. He's, he's that he's that good. He is the best striker in the country. And I'm I, I, I'm I'm having name to tell me otherwise. I think you know Kyogo, 
it's a top player, uh, Jack Amakis, top player, but I, I'm still absolutely convinced, and I will die in this hill, um, that Alfredo Morelos is the best striker in the country. On his day, he is unplayable. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, actually, Josh. I think he's a phenomenal player. And, you know, wh- whether you get money for, for guys in the summer or, or not, you said it there, it's about recruitment. And going back to a point you made earlier about you, you don't have a plan B against a low block. That that that's that's how you overcome a low block. You need to have depth and you need to have strength in your squad to be able to to change. If if a team's pressing you so that you have to go through the middle, then that's that's one of the main reasons. Okay, Ramsey was a, a good big signing, but actually that's probably why he was brought in to to give you that option of someone who can drive forward from the midfield. Because again, as you said, Arfield's not really able to do that anymore. You've got an aging midfield. You've got guys who, I, to be honest, I don't know what their best positions are. Some some of these guys who come in, are they out wide? Are they playing as a 10? Ramsey was probably brought in to do that. And it's, it's like so many before him. It's, it's not worked out, this this move um, for, for, the, for the big players coming. Um, and then if... So even if, if if a team's pressing you in, in the middle and you have to go out wide, you've got Tavernier on one side, eh, you've got Bassey, who's all right, you've got Barisic, who's all right. Like, there's, there's not the strength and depth there, Josh, so you're absolutely right. It comes down to recruitment. See, domestically, do we not just think Rangers struggle under pressure? Because last year they had no pressure at all from Celtic. Whereas every time they get a wee bit of pressure, whether it was the season before that, remember they were doing well up until December after the winter break crumbled. After this winter, they've kind of crumbled domestically. Could be another season with no cup wins either. Not enough winter trips to Dubai, obviously. I think I could do a winter trip to Dubai, to be fair. (laughs) But do, do you not think maybe they do struggle under pressure? Yeah, so does Josh clearly because he's disconnected again. <laughs> I think it's got to do as well. Just we talked, we, we were just talked about this in terms of like it's just a load of issues compounding each other. You've got a squad that isn't deep enough, and a, the key thing, as Josh was saying, you've not got a second striker that you can throw in to score goals. But then you've got um, the issues with certain players. You've got their contracts leaving, the heads maybe gone a wee bit, um, and a, a deep cup run in the Europa League, and it's it's a case of like. You need you need a lot of luck, and you need a squad um, that's deep and firing on all cylinders to keep that up all season. And I mean, like, make no make no mistake about it. Like the Europa League run is absolutely phenomenal for Scottish football um, as a whole. Um, I mean, that's one thing that unites a lot of folk in Scotland. Obviously, the uh, Dolphin fans will be a bit different, but uh, as a Falkirk fan, I've got mates of Parts fans and stuff. We'll happily go to the pub and watch uh, the Europa League games because it's the coefficient's brilliant. I mean. You look at Hearts now, they're only a couple of games away for securing yourself third, which could work up, get into the cup final as well. Um, or I think it's just the Rangers or Celtic win the cup. Uh, that guarantees them um, Conference League group stage European football next year. So it's um, the Europa League run is hard. It's tough and it's obviously taken a lot out. I think, again, I don't know the stats in it, but it's probably been a lot of points dropped um, after Thursday night football. Um, so it's probably it's just I think it's just a few of them compounding together, and then Celtic this this run they're on just now, 
I think for me, watching the game as a neutral, it kind of felt like it was so open in the first 10 minutes. Defences just falling all over the shop. And you were kind of watching it thinking, like, this could be any score. Um, and I guess if you watch it that way, you're like, Celtic eventually got it together, and that's kind of how their season went. Started absolutely chaotic, like losing to Hearts, a couple of losses in the first couple of months. Everybody thinking, right, are they actually going to finish second this year? So <laughs> the third might be in the table. And then kind of just the last, well, aye, since the end of the year, just found a formula that's not quite getting them five, six, no wins, but it's it's getting results. Um, it's back to that. It's back to that Arwood though, Alan. And the recruitment, the, their recruitment has been has been brilliant. They brought in they brought in Hitati and Maeda from Japan, who have both became first team starters all the time. Um, yeah. Boy O'Reilly, he came in in January. He's been a first team starter all the time. They've got a new. They've got a, forget a new tune. They've got a whole musical at a Rogic. You know, um, they're you know they're the recruitment. And their improvement on the existing players they had, particularly the likes of Rogic, I think the Australian connection, you know, has has really kind of done done a turn there. Um, yeah, the, the recruitment, particularly in the January window for them, was was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and his interesting thing on that though, Josh, see yeah. in January when that was happening, most Rangers fans were laughing at Celtic signings, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, hey, I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't." I, I mean, I'm I'm on I'm on record as saying, and I said it on this podcast at the time actually, um, that I I didn't think that the the Japanese signings are all going to come in and be exactly what Kyogo is. They're not going to be as good as Kyogo, and I, I I feel pretty validated in that. To be fair, uh-huh. actually, I don't think Hitate has been absolutely outstanding. Um, I think Maeda's probably been the pick of the litter. Um, and the boy um, Edaguchi, he's obviously been injured and he's no been seen. Um, so I, I, while you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of defeat my own argument here. You know, saying that the recruitment is absolutely brilliant, but then saying actually they've not done that well. Um, but yeah, but you can see why you can, I can see why the fans would have been laughing, right? Because we brought in Arn Ramsey and Ahmad Diallo, Diallo thirty five million value or whatever. Um, and Ramsey, we all know what Aaron Ramsey is. Um, so you know, we brought the two of them in, thought we were absolutely laughing, but hey, that's football, as they say. That's that's it. I still think you missed a trick when opening in our centre back, and then as you say, a backup striker or another striker. They should have just fronted the cash and paid for John Suter. They should have, if it, it would not have caught it, you know, a couple of hundred thousand more, and you know, that just way. to get John Suter in. I don't, I don't, yeah. Especially, I mean, if the long, if the plan is for Goldson to go and suit her to fill his boots. Um, well, uh, we're going so to need then, another centre-back on top of that then. Aye, know? well, there's, there's that, aye. But I just think, aye, get them in six months early um, mm-hmm. and then in. progress progress for there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think just an, as another story going on in Scottish football sort of underneath all that and uh, still just talking about the old firm, but you, uh, obviously Ben Doak, I think this week is just signed for Liverpool and you're looking at... Um, Looking at hope, hope what you obviously, I guess the Rangers still have to push between now and the end of the season. You just have to hope that Celtic slip up, and that's, I guess, the only way to approach the next next few games. But what I would like to see is uh, Alex Lowry and stuff getting more game time, um, because I think what you were talking about 
why is Diallo not just throwing in John? Um, like surely just you need the boy needs game time, and he probably does. But I think the issue for Rangers and Celtic has been, especially until this till this last game, it's been so tight that you can't. There's never been twenty minutes or thirty minutes where you can just chuck somebody on and give them a run it. Um, there's never been a lot. There's not a lot of games where somebody's been four 0 up with half an hour to go to say right, like, go and get a run it. Um, it's been so much pressure, and I mean that that's credit to the league. It's tight. It's exciting. But it's bad for youth development, and then it just adds to the whole thing of players leaving left, right, and centre. And the pre- and the pressure thing, though, has been brought upon themselves by not using subs, because quite often Rangers have been crying out for subs, and Van Bronckhorst clearly like, doesn't trust his bench. That's what it looks like. No, I mean, actually, I actually think Van Bronckhorst is more willing to use subs than Gerrard ever was. <laughs> um, I, I think you know, yeah, well. You know, we keep going back to domestic versus Europe, particularly in Europe. His, his tactical changes have been absolutely fantastic in Europe. Um, fair enough, I'll give you, John. It's not been the same domestically, um, which is actually quite baffling when you think about it. Um, so yeah, but like, and I, I totally agree with you, Alan. Um, on on particularly Alec Lowry, he is, you know, he is a talent. I've watched a wee bit of the development team, um, and. That I th- I've got to say, I think the hype is real with this boy. He looks a real, real talent. Um, actually, not dissimilar in style to Aaron Ramsey. Um, you know, kind of bit box to box, but definitely attacking midfielder. Um, so, but I'm also one of these people that I think we, sh- we should have just been bringing Alec Lowry in as a reaction to getting pumped off a of Celtic again. And then thinking, oh, the answer's there in the reserves, isn't he? You know, Alec Lowry, if we'd have put him in on Sunday, I don't think the result would have been any different. But it is one for the future. And I think, you know, personally, I think the season's over. So I don't see, I don't see, you know, I don't see why not. Why not bring him in? Why not give him some game time? Ramsey's been an absolute failure. So, you know, he can can just sit on the bench as far as I'm concerned and, (laughs) And, uh, and, and Alec Lowry can come in. Ah, that's fair enough. Was it you've got the situation as well at Rangers, similar to Dork? Is it Rory Wilson? He's getting looked at by English clubs as well. Mm, yeah, I've heard about him. Aye, aye, aye. But I think um, I would need to double check Rory Wilson's age um, because I think the thing about Ben Dork is that he was six, he's 16, isn't he? Um, and... I, see, I haven't signed his professional contract yet. Yeah, um... yeah. Yeah, because it's... It's something to do with, I was looking at this during the week there, I think it's something to do with in England, it's 17 for a professional contract, isn't it? Whereas up here it's 16. Wilson's um, just turned 16 in January. Uh, all right, so he's, still, so he's still of that age. So, so yeah, this is, I think that's probably the age that the English clubs start sniffing about them and want to get them uh, up to sign for their youth teams before, um, before they become adults, quote-unquote, no, definitely. I think it, it, I just seen there. Uh, you're not going to like this. It looks like he's going to go to Aston Villa. Um, but he's a. What's your thoughts on Mayo? Do you think he's nearly ready for a Premier League loan? Well, well yeah. do you know? I mean, I, I, that's. I mean, we were talking about this what two, two or three weeks ago, weren't we, Vinny, on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, and you were, you know, I've, I've, I've been looking at him for a couple of years in the, in the uh, Rangers development squad, and he, he, he has been one of the ones that's um, that's that's looked like he's going to be a, a real top player. 
And uh, by all accounts, from what you were saying the other week, Vinny, he's, he's sounding like that, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, I really like him. Um, reads the game well, strong, good header of the ball, um, can sure pick passes as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, for for the piece I'm writing this week, talking about that change of position for him, um, was, I had the pleasure of speaking to a friend of the show, uh, Davey Irons, uh, earlier today, just to talk about that. And one of the questions I asked him was about, is that versatility this day and age, is that a hindrance? Or is it good for his experience? And uh, David gave a terrific answer for it, um, which was, from a manager's perspective, it's great to see. And, you know, Rangers will be looking at that as well and saying, oh, that's that's good because maybe there isn't a gap at centre-back for, for him at Rangers for a couple of years, but maybe he could play in a, a different role for us. Um, but he said, as, as a player, it can be really frustrating because you just want to know I'm in the team. And you know, being a utility player or, or someone who's versatile, you're maybe not always guaranteed that. Um, however, he was—I I, I thought he was terrific on on Saturday. Okay, the defence hasn't been wonderful over the last few weeks, um, and Mayo himself scored an own goal. Just it was the night after I'd been I'd been praising him, he scored an own goal through Dunfermline. But it's when these sort of freak own goals, nothing really to worry about. Um, no, I, I, I think he's uh, he's definitely got the potential. I'd I'd love to see him um, do well. Um, better if it wasn't at Rangers, to be honest. But that's just my own personal feelings. Do you think it will happen though? Younger these young players getting a chance? I'd, I I I don't think so. I th- I think there's just a long track record of players going out and loan from the old firm. No matter how well they do, uh, they end up. Um, they, they, they either end up like a Ben Doak situation where they move on and to, to bigger and better things um, or they, they they flounder a wee bit and they, they struggle to find a home. You know, so people like Jamie Burjonas and, and whatnot, and okay, he's, he's, he's doing all right, but he was the next big thing that was promised to us as well. Um, you know, even guys like Paul Slane, you know, whether it's just poor decisions in, in their lifestyle and and uh, they, they don't quite make it or um, they, they take a Will hit in their confidence and 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 don't push on the way that you know they should. Having said that, and again I said this about Allegria, it's so difficult to write off somebody when they're 16, 17, 18. Um, yeah. However, Mayo's a wee bit older. I think he's 22. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd I, I would be delighted if there was some sort of deal worked out and he stayed with us next season, regardless of what league we're in. Um, because I, th- I think that would be great for him, just another year of consistent first-team football. Um, whether he's ready to walk into a Rangers team or not, eh, I don't know. But he's definitely got the potential. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the, the thing about particularly the old firm, the, the reason that so many boys end up out on loan is is to give them game time and to see how, how, how they develop. Um, I think, being honest, I think Lewis Mayo, you know, I think we'll take a look at him, and they'll say, "Well, he's doing he's doing well with Partick, but is that his level?" Um, because you know the Nathan Pattersons and the Kieran Tierneys of this world are, are few and far between. There's not very there's not many players that are going to look that good in training that are going to come in automatically and start playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get punted out on loan, and and if they don't, you know, if they don't look 
absolutely excellent on loan. You know, I mean, I mean, if, for example, Lewis Mayo, if Lewis Mayo went to Partick Thistle and immediately looked like the best centre-back in the Championship by an absolute distance, you know, he would pro- probably come back to Rangers and get game time. Um, but I, I just don't think that's that's going to happen. It's, it's so difficult to come through at the old firm um, because the level the level that you have to be at is just so absolutely massive. And there's been very few players that we've, we've seen actually done it in, in years gone by. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with that as well. And I think obviously the whole thing of the pressure of the games and your season starts usually with, with qualifiers in the Champions League. So it's self-preservation, it's, it's self, uh, um, completely totally. self-preservation. You know, I mean, they talk about youth programmes and that, but see, at the end of the day, they all fund particularly more than any other two clubs in Scotland. It's all about self-preservation and winning at all costs yeah. and taking and putting a youngster in that they're not absolutely certain is going to be a, a, a world-class talent is a risk. Aye. You were that though. Uh, How come then it happens in the likes of uh, your Netherlands, Portugal, these countries? Because I, 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 I domination with they produce a lot more world class talents than us. Well, that, <laughs> does it come down to that, or is that, it just they're willing to give youngsters a chance quicker? But I also think that they nurture them in the right way, and I think a great example of it being done the wrong way is Kieran Tierney, who should be at a bigger club than Arsenal, in my opinion. I think the boy it should be world-class at this point, but he's made a glass. And my thing with that is when he was a kid at Celtic, he was literally playing 50, 60 games a season. They, they couldn't drop him because he was so good. He wasn't managed as a kid. And when you're still developing, when you're still growing, putting your body through that kind of strain, is just it's, it's not sustainable. And... I th- you know, with with you know, I'm not a sports scientist, and without any real evidence, but you see his injury record, and you see how many games he played as a youngster. It's to to me, it just it just makes sense that that's what's gone wrong there. And now we're hearing he's out for another few months potentially. Um, do, it's, do, you it's Vinny, do, do you think Kieran Tierney? No, I'm touch wood because I'm praying praying not. But do you think Kieran Tierney is going to end up one of these? world-class talents that finishes his career at 30? Uh, it, could, it could genuinely happen. It's it's heartbreaking stuff. Um, and you, you could see why he was undroppable for Celtic at that time. He was a fan's favourite. His performances were consistent. He played in multiple positions. I've got a theory that Kieran Tierney could be our Gareth Bale. Like, yes, solid left-back, but okay, and and for Scotland and Arsenal, he's played that left centre-back. But I think he has all the skills and all, all the ability to play further up the pitch. You 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 could work with him and coach. He's so responsive to coaching, so responsive to instructions. You you could convert him into a, a 10 or a striker or a left winger. I genuinely think that boy has got everything that you need to become that type of player, um, apart from fitness. <laughs> How do we feel about him playing both the friendlies um, on the back of his like longest streak for Arsenal? That was the first time we'd managed 10, 90 minutes in a row for Arsenal to come away two games of Scotland. <laughs> I'm sure Arteta's delighted. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure he's absolutely over the moon. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to go down well. But I mean, it, it, for something else um, that creates opportunities in the squad. But I think just finishing up on the sort of yeah, the, old, the old firm sort of um, carousel of young talent going away. I think it's uh, 
like Celtic, obviously, the Okoflex uh, pre-season, he swapped to move to West Ham. West Ham fans are absolutely raving about him because he's scoring goals um, by the dozen in the uh, under-23 league. And he's been a regular feature on their bench at a club as big as West Ham. Um, but then he can't get a game. So you're wondering whether it's uh, Celtic. So you're wondering what was the gap there? Is it, is it, has he just developed a lot in the last six months or is it a case of something was amiss at the end of last season? Um, so I think there has to be something. Um, if both clubs could regularly could, could qualify in the group stages or maybe it's a chance for Celtic next season if they qualify automatically for the group stage that they've got pre-season. To bed, bed these game, TV, bed these players in without the pressure of um, twenty million pound games or whatever, um, we'll, we'll see. But uh, definitely for the benefit of the national team, particularly um, for me, it needs to something needs to change there. Seeing the subject of the national team and one player who actually did develop a wee bit later for Celtic and is now in the form of his life, Callum McGregor. How good is he playing just now? I, I think he's. I think he's phenomenal. It's um, yeah, like like you said, he was uh, a bit hit and miss for a few seasons, but he's just grown and grown into that role. I think obviously he's responded really well to um, Postecoglou's approach. Um, I, I I don't maybe, maybe I'm not okay. I don't see an awful lot of of the old firm, but I don't think there would have been many Celtic fans. You know, five years ago, if you'd said Callum McGregor is going to be your club captain. And, and you know, undroppable for club and country. I don't think many people would have would have believed you. Even for Scotland, it wasn't really until Clark came in that they've found that consistency and and has just gone from strength to strength. I'm a huge fan of him. I just think he's got a great approach to the great uh, approach to the game. He's got um, a great temperament as well. He's got. He, he just seems so calm on the surface constantly. He's got a, a look in his face. It's almost as if. He's just remembering a funny joke that he that he, that he heard a few days ago. He's just always got a sort of smirk on his face. He just loves playing football. Um, he must and, have been listening uh, to the podcast then for the funny jokes. <laughs> he certainly wasn't listening to Draw, Lose or Draw last week when we were telling our jokes. Um, but yeah, he still looks, well. he still looks so young. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... Uh, yeah, talk, talking about being young as well, like my wee boy's a ball boy at Thistle, and he just loves, there was a, because he's a massive Scotland fan as well, my, my, my eldest boy, and uh, there's a great clip, it, it might have been the night they beat Barcelona, and Tony Watt runs into the corner to, to celebrate, and Callum McGregor's one of the ball boys mm. caught up in the celebration, <laughs> and my, my, my wee boy Callum, he's, he's nine, and he's a ball boy now, so he thinks, right, oh, next step is I'll, I'll play for the first team one day, which is great. Play for Pass- Pass- and beat Barcelona, that's what you're saying. Yeah, obviously. Aye, probably. <laughs> hey, the sky's the limit, mate. Exactly. Absolutely. Dream big. <laughs> Dream big and play for Patrick Thistle. That's it. <laughs> Aye, but if you're beating Barcelona, it's going to be, they're going to be one of the best teams in Scotland, so it's good. <laughs> We've got a bit of time to wait, but seven, eight years, we're thinking. Well, I remember before Steve Clark came in, like we'd watch Scotland games. I remember tucking him into bed after getting home and being like, "We man, you better grow up, like soon." So that we're <laughs> going to need you, we man. <laughs> Got to be said, these two friendlies are the most entertaining friendlies I think I've ever seen Scotland play in my lifetime. Uh, I, for, I mean, the first one, 
Um, there's really a whole lot to say about the first one. I think, it was, I think we bossed it and then gave away an unlucky penalty um, at the end. Um, and yeah, but I, I was struggling. I, to be honest, I was struggling to get myself up for the two friendlies just because it was so disappointing not to be playing that massive, crucial yeah, you know, do, yeah. do or die Ukraine and Austria, whatever, Austria stroke Wales playoff. Um, so found it quite tough to get myself really excited for the football aspects of the two friendlies. Josh, I've seen you at half time of the Poland game and you were definitely up for something. Oh, the Austria? <laughs> I, I was de- definitely up for a sleep. <laughs> that that has to be one of my favourite moments at a Scotland game watching it on the telly Josh and you were the star of it I've never seen anyone clapping and cheering and falling asleep at the same time <laughs> it was it was the fact at the start the clap was so slow so it was like I'm going to much as this is like not going out but it should go out we'll treat it and then all of a sudden this second wind comes about you and you start like like flappy birds flappy birds I think, I think it was a I think I was falling asleep and then I kind of, it was it goes in waves, do you know what I mean? You fall in and out and I it was uh, it was a good a good trip. We we enjoyed it, Josh. We enjoyed yeah. it. But well, that's, that's you're, the main thing. Yeah, you're saying about um uh, you know, obviously being friendlies and that was a bit disappointing. And it was disappointing the way that we ended up drawing both games after being ahead. But I think the thing that I came away with was if those were competitive games, we're not drawing them. I think there's a totally different mindset about the, the national team now. And you definitely in the Austrian game, there was foot off the gas. There were more changes and everything like that. Um, like you say, Poland, I think, we were, I think we were unlucky. It was a bit of a ropey penalty. You know, we would have been screaming for it. It's one of those ones. But with Austria, it was a definite sort of just calm it down a wee bit. Um and uh, yeah, I, I don't think we would have lost or drawn either game had it been competitive. It's it's a sea it's a sea change in the mindset of of everybody, you know, the supporters, um, the the players, the staff, everything, you know, the, the, even the journal, you know, you know, the journalists journalists that normally lambast the Scotland team for one one draws or two two draws, um, you know, everybody is just completely different, as you say. You know, if they're competitive, I don't think we draw them at all. Um, simple as that. No, um, I think it's as well. You don't you don't take Robertson off. Uh, no. if you're if you're competitive, and I mean, it's. Uh, I think I think in terms of the games, I the, the mentality, the drop off. I think when you're looking at what to get up for. Um, I think the biggest one about the whole thing was well, about to see Hickey for mm-hmm. two games. Yep. Um, just a new player, and I even just seen Brown again a wee bit. Just getting those sort of fringe players some game time. Yeah. Um, Ferguson, uh, it was good to see him. A lot of folk hey, in Alan Ferguson didn't do anything wrong for me. Um, he looked fine. He looked. Do you know what? Do you know what was the biggest compliment I can I can pay Ferguson is that he looked comfortable. He didn't look. You know, he didn't look. It didn't look like we missed. Um, he was on with the God. Who was he part of? With, um, he's on with Jack. Jack. Yeah, he was on with Jack. I, I don't think that we. It didn't look like we missed Cal McGregor particularly. Um, mm-hmm. Fair enough, it's a friendly. We, we went to not, and then we take our foot, our foot off the gas. But it, it looked totally comfortable. The thing you would say about that is it's a different type of midfield with Jack and uh, Ferguson to your ball playing players like Gilbert, McGregor, and McGinn. Because there's no doubt in my mind, still, I know it's hard for play Ryan Jack to maybe be an understudy, but that midfield to me is untouchable. 
but it's but it's options and it's depth. Yeah. I think that's 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 what we've been missing for uh, for years. My one concern is um, what do we do when uh, Craig Gordon finally ages? And um, that just that third striker. Don't don't, don't say things but that aren't going to happen. <laughs> Craig Gordon's going to play until he's forty-five. I think he said so. We're fine. Oh, I love the guy. Do you see his double save at the weekend as well? Yeah, spectacular. Just tremendous. Oh. To, to to be still doing it at, at that age, and it's not just the, it's not just the saves. It's it's his all round goalkeeping play coming out for corners. You know. Knowing when to make when when to leave his box and when to when to keep in his box. Is this is this the differences between McGregor and Gordon? Uh, yeah, as yeah. No. I, I think yeah. I think so, Alan. And I was you know I was that's what I was alluding to there, um, because I think Alan McGregor makes more spectacular saves than Craig Gordon, um, or he certainly makes more saves that look spectacular. <laughs> um, but but I think Craig Gordon all round is the best keeper in Scotland by, by some distance he's just so he's so wise isn't he Do you know, he just knows he just wise. knows he's, he's, he knows his gig he knows his, his um, he knows his role and he does it incredibly potentially as well I think for Gordon the time out with injuries has actually helped him because it's almost it's given him this second chance this new league's of life mm-hmm. and arguably he's maybe even better than what he was before he's probably actually had an opportunity to, to watch more football and study it and, and see what's working for teams and what works for certain goalkeepers. He's probably used that time wisely. He's, he seems like a sen- sensible guy who would use time out injured for that kind of thing. Also, we talk about a lot of players when they get to that age, it's hard work going through the drills and getting yourself up for training every single day. If he's potentially lost his career at such a young age, um, to get that back again, it's going to change your outlook on the game, um, I'd imagine. Um I mean, even he could play for a better club than Hearts. Let's, let's be honest, he, he could, but he's not. He's loving it, uh, and it's benefiting the national team. Hearts are flying. Yeah, he's uh, it's, it's great watching him. It's great to have him in Scottish football. More positives to take. Nathan Patterson, much as he's no getting game time at Everton against Poland, I think that fifty-five minutes was outstanding. We we all know we all know Frank Lampard's. There's something wrong with him. Um, uh, it was actually I, I, I was first to jump on that at the, uh, the weekend there he wasn't in the team but there was um, somebody shared that uh, on his in, on Pato's Instagram he was in an ankle brace yeah so was he I I just thought it was fen- phenomenal someone who's played hee-haw first team football comes into an international setup and plays like that <laughs> it's just he, he, that that Poland game it was just incredible that run that he went on um, he made, he made like two well. it was uh, just that it was wonderful like just seeing a, a right back just cutting inside like that having was, the, 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 okay the shot wasn't was quite tame in the end but having the confidence to go on his left foot like that and it's uh, you know, it's 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 not Moldova, it's not Faro, it's it's blowing Poland. Like it's a really, really decent team that he's doing that with. Just no fear, just that confidence was was, was great to see. And um I understand I don't really understand the reasons for it, but I can appreciate Lampard's position of oh, we're in this dogfight and we don't want to throw kids in there. And it's like throw him in. He's he's he, he Fly. It's, it's, it's unusual you would get a right back who could win games for you, but he's that kind of player. Mm-hmm. 
No, I completely agree with you. Um, I think um, I was sitting in the, uh, I was on Patterson's side um, in the South Stand um, for that, and I'd got in my seat. Um, and I just remember being excited just to be in his side, and for him to do that uh, for two runs into the, into the box, you're just like, what a player we've got here. And I mean, I think, I don't know if anybody's seen the, when he, when he joined Everton, the, um, he wasn't in a squad one week, and he, they played him in the in the 23 team at game, game time. And it was the exact same run. He put it, he'd done the exact same run to the corner flag, put across and boom, goal. <laughs> and you're like, this and then he obviously his first goal for Rangers, the exact same yeah. bursting, lung bursting run into the box. Like it's not a bluff. He does this time and time and time again. And it, it doesn't matter if players know it's coming, they can't stop it. Um, and obviously McGregor's seen it and thought, uh, I'll do that against Rangers, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and and how nice is that, Alan, that you sit down at your seat at Hampton and you're excited to see a player just up close oh, um, we've, I mean, we've been starved of that kind of thing for years and we've, we've got a team full of them now 100% I mean you're, I was, I'm, the last the last year since his debut um, I'm always excited to see Gilmore play um, yeah. I'm just just I, I just it's a, it's a case he's the nation's child just now Patterson almost although I don't know if Patterson's actually younger than the, I think he is he's younger than Gilmore he really, is, but yeah. um, but it feels like Parsons, he's fine, he's on his own journey, but Gilmore's getting battered by the Norwich fans. And you're just like, yeah. come on, come come back to us, play well for us and uh, everything will be fine. And he comes and he delivers a time and time again. Um, beautiful to watch. And the one thing I did see um, in Ferguson's game was he did try to play a couple of those cross-field balls and stuff in such a place that Gilmore does. Didn't he quite come off for him, but he tried it. Um, yeah. But that just shows you the quality of Gilmore, that he can just ping these about the place. Um, and I, wait, I like the way as well that when someone's a bit like in the Israel game in the second half Patterson obviously had quite a rough first half um, and the second half Gilmore almost took it upon himself to say th- to like Patterson you're a good player let's get you involved in the game a bit more and he did all these little triangles um, getting Patterson out to the byline and getting crosses in and uh, I just just having, having a squad full of these players that are exciting to watch and then just like Still having a Donald, come on. It's just, it's lovely. <laughs> it's just it's such a feel-good factor in the team. And if we didn't already have an incentive to get to the World Cup, the draw on Friday. Aye. Imagine Christ, that, aye. day before St Andrew's Day. <laughs> Scott, well, I've, got to say, I've got to say, though, um, one thing, and it is typical, typical complaining, right? But it is absolutely crap, right, that all these countries know exactly who they're playing you know they know they're going to the world cup they can start saving they can start booking they can start organizing but we potentially we might not know until september whether or not we're going to the world cup and it's yeah. in qatar which is going to be ridiculously expensive but even look at before that the amount of people that have put money out for ireland um mm-hmm. obviously the other games are at home it's less of a hassle but um i mean I've seen people on the, the Tatnam Facebook page putting thousands of pounds out. I mean, I've, I'm lucky I've only booked an outbound flight to Ireland, um, but it's still going to be 30, 40 quid down the drain if that gets changed. Yep. And you're just you're just thinking, like, we just need information. Obviously, it's, it's Ukraine, you can't do anything, but at the very least, postpone it till later in the year. Uh, don't mess with the games that are already in the calendar, kind of thing. Josh, are you not going to cycle to Qatar anyway, starting about now to get there? Uh, no, mate, uh, I'm absolutely not going to do that. Um, 
I, uh, I, well, if they had, I don't know, see these wee electric scooters? Um, <laughs> they, I was maybe going to rent one of them uh, and, and go, they go about 20 mile an hour. So if I could take one of them to Qatar, I would. Uh, it's, a dry, it's, a, ah, it's a dry country and I'll not get stopped by the police. <laughs> that was really more so, I was really more so Hamden, as opposed to anything else. <laughs> Oh my, well, I, by the way, after my escapades in Austria, I will not, I will not be cycling back for Hamden drunk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was being Hamden as opposed to anything else. So you put yourself in the shit there. Absolutely. Uh, with that one. Let's go to Austria. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Nah. I uh, think uh, that might be a wrap actually uh, relatively short for us for tonight which some people might be pleased with yeah so not at all they'll be screaming for more John screaming for more yes just like my wife um, right so wow 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 <laughs> we'll see if that stays in <laughs> it'll definitely stay in <laughs> So, uh, Alan, good to have you back on. Hi, cheers for that, John. Much appreciated. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, and I'll speak to you soon, Vinny and Josh. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheerio.